God's intention for his church is that we are united. There's no doubt about that. God's intention for his church is that we are united. In, in John 17, we read this amazing prayer of Jesus. And the context there is that Jesus is very close to the cross. He's very close to the cross and, and the end. And I've always been told, see when someone important is leaving, whether it be work or church or whatever it might be, when someone important is leaving, listen to what they say. Last words are forever words. I'm sure you've heard that phrase. Well, here is one of the last prayers of the greatest man to walk the face of earth. What was on his heart? And it's very clear whenever we read this scripture that unity was on his heart and other things, but unity was very much on his heart because four times in this prayer he prays that we might be one as he and the Father are one. That we might be one as he and the Father are one. That we're united. That we're together as a people, as one. The, the word togetherness is mentioned 484 times in Scripture. I didn't count them. Google's a wonderful thing at times. It really is. 484 times the word togetherness is mentioned in the Bible. Why? Because unity is important and it is most certainly one of God's great intentions for his church. God wants a church where unity is the rule and not the exception. He wants a church where unity is the rule and not just the exception. A church where we can get rid of the us and them mentality that can so often prevail and absolutely stink. And experiences that I've had of going around many, many churches in the province, often that us and them mentality can exist between young people and, and folks who are maybe older. And we must do everything we can in this church to ensure that this never happens here. God wants a church where unity is the rule and not just the exception, where we get rid of any us and them mentalities that it might be and it becomes not us and them, but us and him. Not us and them, but us and him. That we are committed to God and that we're absolutely committed to each other and see for this to happen there needs to be so much intentionality in our lives and that intentionality to be able to move out often of our comfort zones of our friendship groups of our peer groups to connect with people of other and different generations God wants a church that's all about us together and him Sadly, when we look across the, the church in this land, we'll have to say this prayer Jesus prayed hasn't been answered. Strange to think of a, a prayer Jesus prayed not being answered, isn't it? But it hasn't been answered. Because all across this land, we can see churches torn apart by segregation, factions, power struggles. What a horrible thing. Power struggles, selfish ambition, personal agendas and exclusiveness. And why does it happen? Well, often it happens when church becomes all self-centered instead of Christ-centered. This often happens when church becomes self-centered instead of Christ-centered. It becomes all about me, me, me and what I want and not all about him 
him, him. It becomes, oh, what about I want? What songs I like to sing? What I like to do in church? And all this. And all the problems that we can see happening in so many churches are there because it's a self-centered focus instead of Christ-centered. Hey, we need to pray. And let's pray this tonight that God will send revival. Please make that the prayer that's on our hearts every day, that God will open the heavens and pour out his Holy Spirit like never before, an unprecedented move of his Holy Spirit. 1859, we often read about it. 1959, I don't know if you've ever read about the, the revival in Ahoko. Fantastic. If you haven't read about it, you get on the internet. It's a Presbyterian revival as well, <laughs> praise the Lord. Um, but you get on, you read about the Presbyterian revival in 1959 in Ahoko. And actually, in Ahoko, in 1859, there's a church still there, and the balcony in that church is sunk because of the weight of people coming in to hear the word of God. And it's still there. You can go and see it actually to today. But we're 150 odd years removed from that revival and we give thanks to God for 100,000 lives touched. Didn't really touch the Roman Catholic community. We need to see an unprecedented revival move of the Spirit in this land that touches everyone. Protestant, Catholic, Muslim, Hindu, everyone bringing this nation to its knees and we keep praying this because revival starts in you and it starts in me where we're brought back to a place where we're not self-centered but we're Christ-centered and it's all about him it's all about Jesus we need to do everything to protect against a church that is inclusive, cliquey, and selfish, and always strive to be together, always striving to connect with and look for those who sit on their own on Sundays and be all about Jesus. And unity, it, it's a difficult thing to attain, isn't it? And it's one that needs constant effort. That's why Ephesians 4.3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Why is unity difficult to attain? Well, there's lots of reasons for that, but one reason is because we're all different. We're all different with different personalities. We're at different stages in our relationships with, with God and, and, and each other. We're at different stages in what we want with life and potentially with church as well. The Bible describes us as living stones and it's a, it's a lovely picture and you can do a lot with that picture. It doesn't describe us as living bricks. It describes us as living stones. Bricks are um, uniform and they sit nicely in unison and, and, and can, be, can be put together quite easily. Stones are different shapes and they're different sizes and they need to be joined together by a master craftsman they don't need to lose their individuality they don't need to lose their shape they just need the touch of a master they just need the touch of a master and we're all living stones all different and that can cause problems we're also a body and that can sometimes cause issues too Joyce Meyer emphasized this when she said sometimes the nose doesn't get on with the armpit you can see what she's saying there. Sometimes the body doesn't get on with itself. And because we're a body, we can sometimes fall out with each other. We're all 
different. We have different personalities, as I was saying. And that means we can rub each other up the wrong way. But just like the difference between living stones and living bricks, it's really important to state this clearly, that unity is not about uniformity. If you're taking notes, write that one down because it's really important. Unity is not about uniformity where we all become the same. How dull, how boring would that actually be? Unity is something that preserves our individuality. It preserves our individuality where we could all be ourselves. And that diversity is so rich and it's so contagious and it's so wonderful that we need to protect it because we live in a world where there's so many people who just to gain acceptance with others continually can't feel that we can be themselves and they're continually trying to be someone else and they just bind themselves with that horrible focus. The way we preserve our diversity and the differences that we have should be so contagious in a world that where people can't be themselves. Unity allows us to be ourselves. Here's another thing unity should allow as well. Unity should allow us space to be able to disagree on matters, but still choose together to walk in love. Unity should allow us space to be able to disagree with each other on matters, but still choose to walk together in love. I was a, an elder in my, my previous church, and I can remember some of those meetings. Some of the meetings, I'll be honest, I was scratching the wall trying to get out of the place. But I can, I can always remember there was one guy, right? <laughs> and he was brilliant, brilliant man. And he had this amazing ability to disagree with people in matters. And he, he's, he's one of these people, there's not a lot of gray in his life, there's a lot of black and white, but because there's a lot of gray in life, he tended to disagree with people on a lot of, on a lot of things. But I was always amazed to see how that guy still left those meetings after he might have argued black and blue with someone, about but he would always leave those meetings with his arm around the person. And whatever decision that was made, whether he agreed with it or didn't agree with it, he would leave it in the meeting and he would stand by it. I thought that's an amazing example, actually. <laughs> he had the ability to disagree on matters, but still choose to walk in love with other people and glorify God. He taught and he still teaches me so much. So folks, we're living stones. That can cause problems, especially as this church grows and it is growing and it will grow and it will continue to grow. Who's trusting for exponential growth in this church? Uh, yeah, that just means lots of growth, doesn't it? <laughs> Who's trusting for that one? Come on, people, who wants it? Of course we want it. We absolutely want to see growth in this church. But as that happens, what that means is new people start to come to this church, different living stones with different personalities, perhaps different agendas. And that is something where we need, intentionality needs to be in our lives to continually make every effort to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit. What we need is the touch of the master craftsman to keep us together and use our diversity to make an impact in this world for his glory. And do you know what the cement is that holds this building together of living stones? It's love. Colossians 3 verse 14 says, above all things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect unity. <laughs> above all things, put on love, 
which binds all things together in perfect unity. And as I, I, I say during communion on, on New Year's Eve, our unity is directly linked to our evangelistic impact. Really important. Do we want to see Dundonald saved? Do we want to see Ireland saved? We're convinced God has a special purpose for us in both of those matters. Absolutely. But John 13 verse 35 says this, by this will all men and women know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Jesus in that prayer of John 17, remember that we might be one as he and the Father one, he explained why he prayed that prayer. So that the world will know the Father has sent me. Amazing. Jesus directly links our evangelistic impact to our unity and our togetherness. We need now more than ever to make every effort to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit through the bond of peace. And let me just share a little bit of, of practical teaching from, from God's word before we go into a time of prayer as to how, how we can actually do this. If, you, if you've got a Bible, open it to Ephesians chapter four. That's where we get that um, scripture about making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll read verses 1 through 2, 3. Paul's obviously writing this, and he says, I, therefore the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness, or humility, and gentleness, with long-suffering, bear with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, that scripture is fantastic because it outlines a number of attitudes and qualities of heart that we need to demonstrate in our lives if we are to maintain unity of the Spirit in the church. Let's just quickly think of two of them before we go to pray about it all. The first attitude of heart is lowliness or humility. Humility. To keep the unity of the Spirit here, folks, we need to humble ourselves and our wills before God. And that, again, is an intentional thing because every single one of us, sorry to announce this, but every single one of us is proud to the core. We have to be completely intentional about humbling ourselves and our wills before God. Disunity will always reign in an atmosphere where the human will is supreme. It'll always reign in an atmosphere where the human will is supreme. Genuine humility starts when we genuinely associate ourselves with Jesus. Genuine humility starts when we genuinely associate ourselves with Jesus. I've maybe said this before, but the idea of humility in the Old Testament is one of being made low. The high call of the cross is to a low place. And the highest place we should ever find ourselves in life is bowed low at the feet of Christ. Bowed low at the feet of Christ. And I want to challenge you to challenge yourself as I challenge myself with these questions, okay? But I want to direct them so that you can do it in a way that you can do this. Do you have too high an opinion of yourself? 
Are you more interested in advancing what you think than what God thinks? Do you seek position? That's actually an important question. Because as this church grows, so also will the fleshy desire within people for position and prominence and power. Do you seek position in your life and in this church? Do you seek honor? Do you seek recognition? Do you seek respect? Do you want to be seen? Remember, God always honors what's done in secret. Pride and conceit are enemies of unity. Pride and conceit are enemies of unity. Pride is divisive. Let's not give it a foothold, folks. Let's not give it a foothold. Romans 12 verse 16 says, live in harmony, do not be proud. Live in harmony, do not be proud. God wants us to pray, my kingdom go, thy kingdom come. My kingdom go, all my stuff, ambitions, hopes, plans, my kingdom go, thy kingdom come. So if we're to protect and preserve the unity that we have, we need to pray for humility and intentionally humble ourselves before God and each other. And the second attitude of heart needed that Paul mentions in Ephesians 4 to keep unity is gentleness. Gentleness, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The opposite of gentleness is arrogance and self-assertion. Putting ourselves forward, taking advantage of those we think are, are, are seemingly weaker than we are, being quick to speak, being quick to answer, being quick to lose our tempers. A lot of anger in people. Being quick to lose our tempers. Here's one of the most beautiful scriptures. 1 Peter 3 verse 4 says this. A quiet and gentle spirit has unfading beauty and is of great worth to God. Love that. A quiet and gentle spirit has unfading beauty and is of great worth to God. Gentleness and how we, we talk to one another. Do our words seek to build up or tear down? Is our criticism at times constructive or destructive? We need more gentleness. And can I challenge us to think more carefully about what we say to one another? Because here's the bottom line. Every single one of us walks into a church with a nice big smiley face and says everything's okay. But one thing we can never know about each other and the people that we're talking to on a Sunday or in life is what people are thinking and what those people are going through. And we never know what our comment, criticism, or whatever it may be, might be, could be the straw for someone that breaks them. Gentleness in how we talk to one another and gentleness in how we talk about one another. Part of making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit is this intentionality about committing ourselves in the way we walk away from gossip. <laughs> oh, there are churches up this up and down this, I shudder when I think about it, and they're rotten to the core. 
because of gossip and backstabbing spirits. Those take nothing to do with people who gossip. People who gossip and sow seeds of unity in doing that show spiritual immaturity and a complete lack of understanding about what it means to be more like Jesus. Philippians 4 verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. You see, if we're fully to walk and embrace and see the purposes and plans of God and what that he has for this church, we need to strive to maintain the unity that we have here with each other. Yes, even when those people come in that we might struggle with or people who are already here that we might struggle with, we need each other. We really do. We need each other. This church needs you. You bring something to this church that nobody else can, and that's you. There's nobody else can be better at being you than you can. And if you're not here, this church is worse off. There's something missing. It's part of the body missing. You are special and precious, as is everybody here. We need each other, and we need to avoid that exaltation of self in our lives, abandoning ourselves in humility and gentleness to God and then to each other. Make every effort. See, God is interested as a come to a close here in every one of us. He loves us. He loves us, and he values us so much. He's 100% committed to each of us. The, the cross proves that. And we should give God our 100% commitment to. However, it's not just a vertical relationship, this Christianity. It's a horizontal relationship, a two with each other, where we're 100% committed to each other. And tonight's challenge is we thank God for all he's doing. As we look forward to the great future that's ahead is strive for unity. Everything in us, strive for unity and to protect what we have here in this church, to keep that wall strong. And as people join this church, as we grow, exponential growth, as we see it, and I would see it in the church, the wall it does is it just makes the wall stronger. And there's no foothold for the enemy to get in. He hasn't got anywhere to get in here. We're just lit and we're going on with God. I wonder before we go into prayer and I just felt I should throw this out if there's someone here and pride envy hurt or pain have gotten into your life and they're actually eating away at you and it's affected your relationship with someone in the church remember the high call of the cross it's to a low place and the challenge for us, and it's not easy, but the challenge for us is, are we prepared to lay down hurt, resentment, the desire for justice or revenge, to humble ourselves and be 100% committed to God and each other? Do we need to go to apologize to someone? It could be the person we came here tonight in the car with. Because <laughs> how often do we find it easiest to be cruelest to the people we love most? Do we need to apologize to someone for what we have said to them or what we haven't said to them? Do we need to mend a relationship? Even if the problem is not with us, are we prepared? It's a high call. Are we prepared to make an effort? We're seeing great things. And just think where we could be as a church 
if we can develop one where we're completely abandoned to God and completely abandoned to each other in unity. Do you know what? I'm convinced of this, guys, before we pray here. If we can develop a church that's absolutely committed to God and each other, we'll have somewhere here like they had in the book of Acts in the early church where God was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. This is how important it is. This is how important it is that we get this in our spirits and we intentionally seek to work it out.